This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 215 and uh, it is coming out, you're not confused, at the same time as show 214 because both shows are about building and building consciously, building for the environment, building for human health. Uh, building for lower impact. And I've interviewed a Canadian builder who specializes in that part of the world, up in the Northern Hemisphere, and also an Australian builder uh, in the hotter climates because I felt that uh, it'd be really great for people to have uh, location-based context uh, when that came up in both of the chats, as well as somewhere to turn to, a resource uh, more local to you. Um, I'm sorry, I will do a European builder next year, I promise you guys, <laughs> those of you over in that part of the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a really great chat today because uh, the Australian builder that I've brought on is uh, a husband and wife team, Joe and Marilise Mersiecka. I hope I have said that right, from Blue Eco Homes. And I came across their work on Instagram of all places um, and uh, was really uh, excited to see that we had another a, a, a local passive house specialised builder. And, um, and boy, are they good at what they do. I was uh, graciously invited to spend an evening with my family uh, overnight stay at their show home in the Blue Mountains so that before uh, the interview, I had actually experienced what it felt like to be in a passive house. And you'll see a bunch of stuff on social media. I'm sharing on my Instagram stories this week, some of the footage of that stay and some of the details of the house. Uh, it was a, a truly incredible experience. So calm, such incredibly perfect temperature all the time. Um, and, uh, and the textiles and furnishings and materials, everything just felt really right, uh, at a deep level. Um, and not because I was staying in a beautiful home that I really didn't want to leave, but, uh, the attention to detail of the design really made you feel like you were relaxed and at home, even being in a place away from home. Uh, and uh, they've been building for a long time. They've actually just picked up a really special couple of awards uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So they were winners. They were nominated and finalists for five awards in the Housing Industry Association's New South Wales um, State Awards. And they won two of those finalist awards. So they are the Housing Industry Association's winner for New South Wales Regent Green Smart and Sustainable Home and New South Wales Regent Professional Small Builder for the second year in a row, that one. So I want to say huge congratulations to them. The quality of the work is excellent. Uh, I know it myself. I've been there. Uh, and um, it doesn't mean you're losing all the mod cons. In fact, it was a house that had more mod cons than I think I'd ever experienced in any home I'd ever been in. So uh, it's really, really special to know that we have uh, Australian builders who are at the forefront of passive house technology. You might remember I had Amelia Lee, architect and friend on the show a couple of years ago now, who talked us through passive house for the first time on the show. And she has some incredible resources in that space, in, in the space of building uh, more ecologically minded houses and renovating that way. Uh, so you can definitely go check out the Under, uh, Undercover Architects podcast for uh, the series that she did honing in on these types of building techniques. Um, and uh, and so that was where I sort of first came across Passive House and then ever since then it's been on my radar. It's definitely our forever home uh, building idea for us. 
Um, and uh, I'm very, very excited to bring you Joe and Marilise onto the show. So uh, I'm going to kick into that show in a little minute and I just wanted to remind you, you have literally today, so hopefully you're listening on publication day, to grab yourself the free shipping on the Mother SPF. So motherspf.com is the website and uh, your code for free shipping is shipping. Uh, so that you can try this awesome new sunscreen. They've really pushed the envelope on green chemistry to make it an exquisite texture, one of the best I've ever tried, beautiful protection, really um, uh, wonderful glides on, great for kids, therefore, who find sometimes some of the older generation eco sunscreens really tricky, as did I, as I didn't love them. Um, so I feel really lucky that we have brands like Mother SPF innovating and producing something really great for us that is still low tox um, without all the garbage that harms the environment and preservatives that potentially harm us. So enjoy that. Uh, I want to say a big welcome to our Low Tox Club members who've joined this last week. Uh, it's a beautiful space to come and bring your Low Tox life to life. You can read all about it uh, by hitting the Explore tab on lowtoxlife.com and it's the very first option, join the Low Tox Club. Uh, you have a beautiful private Facebook group. We have a fantastic club dashboard with different topics every month and a library of interviews that we record specifically um, for club members with your questions about various different topics over the year. And uh, there's so much exciting stuff planned in 2021. So come join us there and uh, I'll kick into this wonderful show now with Joe and Marilise from Blue Eco Homes. Enjoy. Hello, Marilise and Joe. How are you both? Uh, very well, thanks. Excellent. And good eye, Alex, to, to you too. Uh, look, I am so excited to have you on the show. I am a proud one night stayer in a passive house that you guys have actually built. And uh, I thought that was such a great idea that you reached out and said, well, why don't you come and have the experience before our chat so you can really know what it feels like. And I can't thank you enough because it is so different to any other building I've ever been in. And, um, and we just couldn't believe the fluctuating temperatures happening outside, especially in the Blue Mountains, where you go from super cold to super hot uh, in a 24-hour cycle, uh, especially in spring. And, um, and the temperature inside was like 18 to 21 the whole time. And we were just like, look, look. <laughs> we're like little kids going, can you believe it? So I'm really excited to talk about not only Passive House, but we're actually going to talk about what eco-building is um, on a broader definition as well. And I think the best place to start is to ask you, what is your story about becoming a builder? Um, you know, why, why building for you? Okay. Well, um, building for me is... Uh, I suppose like a hobby um you know I don't class it as a, as a job because I love what we do um my sort of story is um we were, we were immigrants um from Malta um dad moved mum and dad moved us here with three boys came with sort of nothing um dad was a, a bit of a jack of all trades and I spent a lot of time working with dad um you know after his um full-time work we uh, used to do anything and everything. We were making uh, kitchens in the lounge room, um, you know, fences in subdivisions, um, concreting, driveways, just anything and everything to sort of get ahead. And um, and but also, Dad was um, a very sustainable person. Without, I suppose, thinking of the word sustainable, like he'd collect, you know, down the side of our house, he set up a watering system where he collected just found drums or any, any shape and size and connected them all together and he'd collect all the laundry water. You know, we had a little uh, veggie patch um, in the backyard. Um, so he used to water all that from from the laundry water. Uh, you know, it was all, all that, you know, we had three, three boys, we all had one bath. Um, all that water went into the, into the drums as well. Um, but then I also spent um, a bit of time out the back of Mudgee um, growing up with... Um, with a scout leader of ours who had a property out there and there was a, a hippie commune down the road and they were lovely people. And we actually, as kids, used to visit them quite often. And I was always in awe as to the houses they built out of nothing. So in combination with, with seeing that and also and spending time with them, um, 
not that I was turning into a hippie, but um, but it was just great experience. Uh, with Dad and that, we um, sort of led me to sustainability. It was always sort of ingrained in me that, you know, it's not about just letting everything, using it and throwing it away. It was all about reusing and reusing. Um, so we that's when I uh, worked for a commercial builder and then um, decided after about 25 years to start my own business. Mm. And so the, time, uh, hold on, let me just ask. Um, so you're working for a commercial builder. What are you seeing that doesn't add up for you during that time based on how you grew up and these learnings that you had about sustainability, reusing things, making things last and then you, you know, because commercial building by modern definitions is one of the most unsustainable emissions producing industries in the world. I think it's responsible for a quarter of the world's emissions is construction. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so what are you seeing that makes you want to peel away and do things differently? Okay, think so uh, when I was actually doing um, commercial, I, I was actually on the lines of sustainability there there as well. Actually, oh, wow. re- remember... Um, an episode where I actually got, um, well, I suppose in trouble from the general manager <laughs> because what I was doing was um, all the waste material, um, a lot of the men were building their own houses and all that sort of thing, so they kept asking me, can we take some of the materials home? And instead of throwing it in the bin, I was actually letting them take it home. And um, from there, um, one of someone saw that was happening, um, and I can't even remember where, saw that was happening, um, and they approached me and said, how come all the boys are stealing material off the site? And I said, well, no, I gave it to them because it was going to go in the bin. And they said, well, it can't happen anymore. It's got to go in the bin. Unbelievable. And about three or four, it was incredible, and about three or four weeks later, uh, I actually got a, a phone call from the project manager saying, how come our waste material going to the tip was so high mm. and I said well go and ask the general manager yeah Unbelievable. <laughs> and, and um so I got stopped doing that and it was just incredible the amount of waste that actually happened so look I think it's getting a little bit better um we as, as Blue Eco Homes we actually separate all our waste material into separate uh storage containers if we can't because it's a tight site we um, still put it into one and then as we um, as one container and then as, as we take to the tip, we separate it then and take different loads to different places. Our recycling on um, most of our builds, I think, is around about 94%. 94, 94 to 96%. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, but it does take a bit more work, takes, does take a little bit more effort. It does save on tip fees, but it adds a little bit to the labour. So for us... It's probably a break even, um, maybe a little bit behind on that, but we're quite happy to to do what we do. Mm. Um, oh, because that great. really is true cost, isn't it? You know, we Correct. all in business, we all need to start thinking about what the true cost yeah. of that profit choice or that you know, because it might just it might save you a couple of bucks or half an hour here and there in labour costs, but what is the actual overall cost of that decision? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is, you know, there's a lot of, there is um, time and effort into that. But like we've trained um, most of the staff on site and the subcontractors, and it's now almost automatic that they do it. You know, it's not, you know, harping at them all the time. Uh, it, it works really well. Um, your, your dad would be so proud. Yeah, 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 he is. He, um, yeah, he sort of, yeah, but it sort of, he doesn't, he doesn't see it as he sort of, kicked a little bit of this off but um yeah. but I'm pretty proud to say that so yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. it's awesome uh, yeah. um okay so I want to ask about uh some of the different types of builds and building terms so that everybody can kind of understand things before we start talking about what might be better um energy efficiency is a huge buzzword going around at the moment but we're already starting to see that there are holes in the way that that has been decided and we're seeing these airtight buildings that don't breathe and that brings huge uh, human health impact um, in terms of condensation of mould but it also reduces the um, likelihood of that investment appreciating because the building will become so bad so fast. How did we get into this energy efficient mess 
where everyone's just petrified to, you know, got to do something good for the environment. So let's do this without thinking bigger picture. Yeah, look, I think the reasoning behind that is um, like like a lot of things, we sort of dive into, into it without actually looking at, at the big picture and we go, right, this is going to fix this, great. And then we all get stuck into doing that without checking up or, or revisiting that and the seeing what, and the, where the consequences are and what is actually happening. So with um, energy efficiency, that's what we, you know, 100 years ago, we didn't get mould in homes because buildings were just air leaky. So wind blew straight through them. They weren't real comfortable to live in, but air blew straight through them. We then said, let's fill them up with insulation, which we did and started doing that. And it's, and getting more airtight without the ventilation side of things and letting the buildings actually breathe. So it's actually made it good in one way, but really bad in health-wise because of the mould that that's actually creating, which is, and all that insulation and the airtightness without the proper ventilation is contributing to condensation and moisture inside the home not being able to get out. Um, mould loves it, especially on the on our, our temperate climate. Um, so it, it happens. It's, and, and everybody says, oh, ventilation, just open up windows. That's great. But no one actually opens up windows and doors as they should. You know, for a proper, to ventilate a house properly, you need to open up a window in each room for at least five minutes every hour, 24-7. And in winter or peak summer, that doesn't happen because everybody's trying to keep either heat in or heat out. And then with our um, half insulated, half leaky buildings as they are still, you're still not, you're, you're bringing in humidity and moisture, which just doesn't make the house even comfortable. So there's a, a myriad of things that it's actually what we're doing um, just by not taking that little bit of an extra step. That yeah. extra step is, there is a cost to that, mm. but it's a very long-term beneficial cost. Mm. And in terms of modern building materials, um, what are some red flags you're seeing uh, in the way we have started to build in the last sort of 20 years um, where you're hearing these horror stories of one-year-old buildings and, and things breaking and um, walls falling apart or uh, black mould like with a brand new build? Is it cement rendering? Is it the move away from double brick? Like what is causing um, some of these problems? Okay, so... We combat those problems by running our um, buildings through a program called PHPP, which is Passive House Planning Package. Mm. So we've actually moved to basically being a passive house builder now because yeah. we feel that it's the way of the future. It's building the, the, building, the construction correctly because they're modelled. So mm. it doesn't matter what. It almost doesn't matter what material you use in these buildings, and you can use a combination of all the materials that are available. You've just got to model it and make sure that the building is well insulated, no thermal bridges, it's breathing as well, no air gaps. So you're controlling. It's not just the one thing. You've got to get all those materials, put it, run them through the model, and then say, yep, they're all going to work together. The building is going to work now start planning to build it. Mm. So it's, it's not just getting a set of plans, ordering a heap of timber or bricks or whatever and just start slapping it all together and add a bit of steel here to support something else. All of that is thought through. Um, you know, thermal bridges are a, a, a big player in condensation because they're bringing hot and cold, moving hot and cold through the building externally to internal or vice versa. Um, and then there's a, a spot in the, in between that where it hits the right temperature and the right um, moisture content, so you're going to get mould. So that's mm. when the mould starts forming, and a lot of the time it's starting to form inside the walls. Once you see mould on the outside, it's almost too late. The building behind those walls is um, probably Infected. more likely for the mould. Mm. So it's, it's, more, it's more so not what the materials are, it's how it's all put together. Gotcha. And which is really kind of, it's almost like permaculture design for construction, isn't it? Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you're really point. thinking through how everything's going to work together and yeah. really weighing up everything for that climate, for that angle, for the, you know, all the things before yeah. you even begin. Yeah, Absolutely. which then brings to the build actually being more streamlined, more efficient, mm. which then brings down cost effectiveness. So, yes, passive house does cost a little bit more in the long run. Oh, sorry, in the beginning. A little bit more in the beginning, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, pays off long term and you're getting more efficiency to the build. So it does sort of well, the other even thing things is, up. Is these buildings last longer because they're designed right. So yes. um, whereas your, you know, your modern buildings, like you said, you know, wear down, um, they're, they're not even designed to last. I, I think we've heard not long ago that that the newer buildings are not designed to last more than 25 years. Mm. Um, Isn't that hideous? When loans when, yeah. to the bank are 30, Absolutely. 35 years Absolutely. for a young couple. Whereas, you know, mm. whereas passive house with the modelling and everything else are designed to last 100 years. Mm. Um, so that's that's the kind of stuff that doesn't get taken into consideration when you're planning a planning a build. Yeah, and, and most so people would want to say, "I'm going to pass this down to my kids one day." Or, and the reality is, a lot of things are built in a way that that's probably not going to happen. No, yeah. that's exactly no, right. and, and that's right. All they got to, or once they do get it, then they they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna have to renovate, and that's why the renovation market is is so high in Australia because we're constantly making things look prettier but we're also fixing up what's in behind the scenes um, to make these buildings look prettier I suppose um, so yes it's a, it, it is a, a bit of an issue but so our way of thinking in Australia is that our homes are more looked at as an investment rather than an actual home so it's you know oh, we get it all the time oh, I want to put a third or a fourth bedroom in for resale you know I say I, I ask them how long do you plan on living in the house? 15 to 20 years, well, don't worry about what resale is going to be in 15 or 20 years. Design it for yourself. Design it right, build it right, get your outside envelope correct because that's where all the issues start from um, and your healthiness of the house starts from the outside envelope. You know, forget the $50,000 kitchen. Put a, cheap kitchen, Put a cheap kitchen in, build the envelope right. You can always... In Five for ten years' time. When you get a bit more cash, change yeah, the kitchen, but you can't change the outside envelope. You know, a bit you've harder. Got family, <laughs> you know, the kids are going to trash the kitchen anyway. So, yeah. you know, wait till then. You know, so it's it's, it's a little. I I believe that our, our way of thinking has got to change as well. It's all and it's you know not the cheapest price is always the best price. It's it's what the overall whole thing is is comes back to true cost again doesn't it's it true cost yeah, correct yeah yeah you know it's 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 absolutely crazy it's yeah. and that's and where the it's not an investment it's a home if you're gonna live in it for 20 years make it comfortable yeah great advice um so passive house let's talk about where this uh comes from as a design philosophy and what made it the one that you thought yep that's what we're going with okay so uh passive house is uh from Germany, European, um, basically principles. It's just built on five main principles, but all are calculated together, not just one thing. You can't just do one thing in a passive house and say, I've done it. It's it's a combination of those five, five things. And five what principles. are the five things? So the five things are air tightness, no thermal bridges, um, heat recovery, ventilation, system good quality windows and the fifth one is hang on, I'm, <laughs> I'm quizzing you guys i'm putting you on the spot i know i know off heart when i just spit them out but hang on, hang on but, i love it that, <laughs> sorry uh yeah good world coloring windows thermal bridges ventilation um and air tightness is that's a five in it yeah. I'll start again. I love it. Marilise is coming in to sort you out. Yes, I know. So <laughs> there's, thermal insulation. There's thermal insulation, good quality thermal continuous insulation, good quality passive house windows. Which can be double or triple glazed, yeah. but they have to, to be, be good, good quality. quality, no thermal bridges in the in the windows, mm -hmm. heat recovery, ventilation system and thermal bridges. Mm. That's and air tightness. 
overcome over, is the overarching thing over the whole lot of those. Yeah. So how do we put air into a passive house? Talk to us about that system. Okay. So it's like you okay. give it a pair of lungs, right? hundred percent. It is. Yeah, correct. So it's it's not air conditioning. So what it, what it we do is we, okay, the, the common um, Australian home, the average um, air tightness of an of a Australian home is 15 air changes an hour. So that means all your windows and doors are closed. You're still going to get the air changing in that house 15 times an hour. With everything, with everything closed. That's your average house. So what that means is if you've heated the house to keep it warm in winter, that air is changing over 15 times, so you're losing all of that energy 15 times an hour. So with Passive House, our aim is to build a house to zero, 0.6 air changes an hour, which is quite low and, and very airtight. So from that, you've got to then bring in some sort of ventilation system. So what we do is we put a heat recovery ventilation system in, which changes in the background. You don't hear it. You don't see it. You don't feel it. It doesn't cause a breeze or a... Um, I can attest to that. Yeah, it just sits in the background and just changes the air over and over and over 24-7 all, all year round. And it's good. It's yeah, so we exhaust out of all the wet areas and we supply to all our living areas and bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And it's filtered air. What kind of filter? Oh, well, it's a, an F7 um, filter um, mm -hmm. on the incoming and a G4 on the outgoing. Mm. So it's, it's uh, it, yeah, very strong. Yeah, they're, they're a very high filter. So they do take out a fair few of the particulates. Um, we, we've sort of done some testing over in last year in the bushfires. I don't know whether you um, saw saw the um, bit of the display that we had in the garage up there. Yeah, and yeah. saw the, the filters. I think I may have showed, shown you those filters. Um, you know, one that was four, four and a half weeks through the bushfires, what it actually captured. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a healthy, it's a healthier environment inside with yeah. that. So it takes, that ventilation system also controls Bit of the humidity as well, so we try and keep the humidity between thirty-five and sixty-five degrees internally. Ah, uh, sorry, percent internally, uh, and that's again attributes to comfort and the amount of moisture that's inside the house. Um, so it all sort of also prevents mold from growing, which is 100%. great. Yeah, because you don't yeah. have that moisture travelling into the walls. Mm. So even all the toxins are, are, are taken out of the house with the fresh air ventilation system because it's just turning over the air. So any um, furniture or products that you do put in, we try and minimise the VOCs in those products when we put them into the home, but you're still getting them some of those, yeah, but it's, of it's, it's taking those out as well. Mm. And some, something I was really fascinated by was in a four-bedroom home, there was one reverse cycle air conditioning unit for the whole home and that was actually enough. Explain to me how it works. Okay. So um, the, the 200 square metre home that you, you stayed in, it's got the ventilation system in. So we've got a five kilowatt split system air conditioning in the main living space. That only needs to be turned on when you've got extremes. I'm not sure whether actually you actually used it while you were we there. We didn't have to, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's... Fantastic. Mm. Um, so what that does when you do need to use it, it just uh, pumps, let's say in uh, summer you're trying to reduce it by a couple of degrees, pumps cold air into the lounge, the main living area, then that is um, circulated throughout the whole house through the ventilation system because everything travels through the ventilation system, supply and exhaust. So mix it, the air doesn't mix going through, but it does, the heat out of those and the coolness does swap over. Mm. So if so, just to explain it, we had a 46-degree day in, I think, January the 4th uh, last year, 46 degrees outside this year, 46 degrees outside, 26 degrees internally without the air conditioner on. So Incredible. what the ventilation system was doing was sucking in hot air but because the house didn't need heating, it actually expelled 
the hot air through the ventilation system straight straight to external. Mm-hmm. In winter, that works the opposite. The, the opposite hot air way. inside is kept within the the heat is kept within and and exhausting. So it's yeah. It's well, a, we stayed in September and it got down to minus three, but the right. temperature that it was inside the house was um, eighteen. Yeah, and that was with no no heating or cooling. Zero. You know, people's comfort levels do vary a lot as far as, you know, 18. Some people like it a little bit cooler. Some like it a bit warmer. So it does vary. Um, but we try and keep that that temperature somewhere between the 20 and 25 degree is our aim. Mm. Uh, and as long as people are comfortable um, and we're not going too low with the lockdown to 13 degrees yeah, when the mould sort of st- promotes mould growth, mm. um, we're fi- it's fine. Yeah. We've kept, we've kept stats on on the house for the prep for twelve over twelve months now, um, and it essentially sits, regardless of what the outdoor is, the average temperature over that twelve months has been twenty one degrees. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Do you guys kind of just still get impressed by it yourselves? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get excited. We do the same thing. We go up and check on the house and. And we check the air quality, and we get excited when when things are all still. The first thing we do is we get, we run around the house and check all the what the temperatures of the rooms are doing. Yeah, and uh, make sure the ventilation system's you know operating as it should. And but you walk in the in the door of the, the passive house, and it and it does the air does feel different. Mm, it does, and a good different. Mm. Yeah. It's a very calming sort of sensation. Well, it is because yeah. also the passive houses are a lot quieter internally as well. So it that is was a... something that shocked me because yeah, right, okay. yeah, I was like, oh, it's just so quiet. And maybe I, I thought, is it because I'm a city chick? Like, but I thought, no, no, because you go outside and it's like full on crickets, birds, you know, all the things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's actually really, really funny. We we've been up there in very, very windy conditions, and your trees are flapping, and inside. Unless you saw the trees moving, you you, you, would you, you wouldn't know. It's, mm. So uh, we've got a. Um, I'm not sure whether when you were outside, you heard the train. There's a train. Yes, I going, did. Yeah, um, but into inside the house, that wouldn't be waking you up at night. No, no. definitely not. No. no, and let's talk about bushfires. Given we're Aussies here, and um, and it's it's just something that's a part of our worry, and of course, increasingly so these days. Um, how do these stack up to protect? Is there a part of your build that um, is protective in the face of bushfires? Yes, it is. The house is actually built to flame zone to valve FZ, um, that which is house. that particular that particular house. house. So yep. people get an option, basically. Well, it depends on what you yeah. You, you, well, you sort of don't get the option. It depends on what your your land is actually. Ah, yes, of course. So it's, you can, yeah. you know, people do say to us they'll build a two-flame zone even though they don't need it. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's sort of given to you by the RFS and the area and the block of land that designates that. Uh, but it is built to flame zone, which is uh, the first in Australia to be built flame zone and passive house. Um, few tricks of few tricks into achieving that, but uh, we managed to pull it off, which is great. Uh, so the some of the things that are in the bushfire code was, uh, for example, shutters on the windows because uh, we used high performance win, uh, windows. They don't meet BAL FZ on their own. They meet BAL 40, which is the next one down, but they don't meet BAL FZ. So what we had to do is was put shutters on the outside to protect those windows in a bushfire. They're quite an expensive cost. So what we actually did then looked at those shutters and said, let's use them as part of the build, not just for the flame zone component. So we've put all those shutters, we've, well, our, our, our passive house designer uh, helped it, helped us calculate the sun's movement and how much sun would come in through every window throughout the year. So we've set those shutters now on a timer so that, if the sun's coming in in summer, those shutters on that side of the house will actually come down. As it tracks around, the shutters that were down go up and, and the other shutters will keep coming down. So shutters will go up and down as the house, is as the sun orientation um, requires it to. 
Um, in winter, that doesn't happen. We we leave it all, we leave them all up. Um, but in summer, that's that's what happens. That's why we can control. Well, that's why we get so such even good control. Yeah, because it, the shutters are actually a benefit to us now, not only for flame zone. Mm. Um, and, and they're a great privacy thing as well. But if you're in the house, say on a on, on a nice sunny day, and you don't want those shutters down, you can manually. Um, raise them by just flicking a switch mm. in that room. It won't harm the house. It just means that the house won't work that little bit as efficient because you're bringing in some more sun. The ventilation system will work harder and you may need to crack the um, air conditioner on because you've let the sun in when it shouldn't have been in. Mm, but you gotcha. can still enjoy the outside. Doing it, no. so you can still enjoy the outside. You don't have to sit inside the house with all the shutters down in a <laughs> <laughs> to make the house work super. yeah yeah no and I, like I just want to emphasize as well that it doesn't feel like you're trapped in any way it's a beautiful experience yeah. and um and what was the thing that I was going to say about the shutters okay my son loved the shutters uh he thought that they were a really cool um tech feature of the house yeah, but right. I loved them because of how dark it made the room at night oh my gosh it was just yeah. fantastic yeah. for sleep yeah, yeah, no, it is. And uh, we've had a comment with a, a, a few shift workers that mm. we've put the shutters in for um, because of that reason that they can come home during the day and actually be in total dark. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And sleep and quietness and everything else. So it's, it is, yeah, no, it's a, it's a benefit. And from, mm. a, from a bushfire perspective too, um, we've, we can actually operate the shutters remotely. If a fire was approaching and we weren't at home, we can actually put them all down remotely um to protect the house from bushfire that's incredible isn't it and is this something that you can retrofit as part of a like a passive house reno is it possible shutters 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 are are probably relatively easy to do Mm. um retrofitting a passive house yes can be done Mm -hmm. it does add a lot of cost yeah uh, because of the mucking around that you actually and the detailing that you need to do Mm. with an existing structure but it can be done. Nothing's impossible um, if enough thought and detail goes into it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Cool. And uh, you talked about your recycling efforts before, and I know you are passionate about achieving carbon neutrality. Can you talk about a couple of other steps um, that you take as a business on the whole to work on that? Yeah. Well, we actually, we actually carbon footprint our business so if annually. Um, we do a carbon footprint, um, so that takes into account waste, obviously, That's because that's one of the biggest ones, but um, also the electricity we use um, on site. We don't use anything from the office because we're actually all 100% solar powered from the office. But um, so what we use on site for, for example, the, you know, the, the guy's tools and things like that. Um, we look at the fuel use in our both our company vehicles and the usage um, like between sites and things of private vehicles of our of our tradies. Um, so we we actually calculate all all of that um, and come up with a you know a carbon um, figure. And then um, that's actually quite small. Um, I think it, I think it was 57 tons of carbon dioxide emissions for Running the whole business. Wow. For a construction business, that is impressive. And so we then we then offset that. Um, we actually buy carbon offsets, but we actually buy it through a local uh, project that actually does um, puts put solar onto community buildings, onto charity buildings and things like that. So we oh, actually, amazing. we actually offset our our carbon into providing solar for the community. For yeah. Community. Yeah. Um, people who otherwise wouldn't have access. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. What a beautiful exchange. Uh, yeah. yeah mm. it, works, it, works, it works for us. Again, it's it's a lot more, and this is the, the whole thing, it, it, you know, to be sustainable, it is a lot more work, a lot more effort. A bit more and money. sometimes more money, yeah. And more money, um, you know, with yeah. our bottom line. Uh, but we're happy to actually, you know, absorb some of that or just not as, make as much, I suppose, profit. Um, yeah. 
But we all need to start thinking like that. And we we do. If everyone thought like you guys in construction, worry about someone else doing it. You've got to, you know, if yeah, and that's what annoys us. You know, there's there's a lot of people out there sprouting, you know, the word eco and sustainable, but Mm. it's just a buzzword. A lot lot of it's just there's still a lot of buzzword to just go. That's actually a really great segue into the last um, big question I wanted to ask you guys, which was when people then start thinking about, um, and by the way, these guys haven't paid to be on this show. No one needs to get their knickers in or not. I just genuinely believe in the work you guys are doing and I want to give it a voice. Um, So it's not like just an ad for Blue Eco Homes. But what I want um, people to know is how do you know that you are choosing a good builder? Because you'll have people listening in from France, from Canada, from the States. Um, and yes, eco, uh, like, I mean, there's so much greenwashing in every industry right now to help people tell themselves a story that they're doing the right thing, um, often not based in much fact. So how do we actually spot the good builder in our search when we're, we're considering building a house? We actually go to a lot of trouble to basically prove to people if they would, if they want to know about us, mm. we we've got the stats to, to actually prove that. So yeah, the number one is I suppose it's not just a hearsay. We've actually got the evidence as, as to yeah. what we do. So and so is so is the is the cautionary tale there to to be really unashamed with asking for research and evidence absolutely and ask the research ask the questions ask the data absolutely um look at their history you know uh, we we go into a, a lot of in, in environmental industrial awards um for our sector mm. uh, and you know we do um win a lot of those awards in environmental so again it sort of proves to our prospective clients and our current clients that we're not just cowboys and hearsay our actual peers and the industry is actually telling us that we we're on the right track mm, so really um, look for that evidence so you know look for that evidence do your research ask the questions and they a lot of word of mouth as can, well you can, you can ask ask the builder what how they treat their waste how they you know what they do and there's there's nothing wrong with doing that there's nothing wrong with asking the question because if they're doing the right thing, they will have an answer for you. So true. If yeah, they don't right. have answers, that's when you're like, hmm, wonder what you're not saying. Yeah. yeah correct. And, 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 and it's the, the unfortunate thing is at the moment, uh, it's, it is a bit more expensive to build sustainable, but there's long-term benefits for everybody. Mm. People in that house. They're going to be the trades associated with think it. Think about the amount of cost to a country's economics, to a family, what chronic health issues does, for yeah. example. One of the things that, mm. that we've sort of really taken hold of is, is the health, health mm. benefits of, of this sort of building. And um, I, my background's in respiratory nursing. So, oh. <laughs> so You're all over that then, yeah. You know, 20, 25% of the Australian population have respiratory issues mm, and a crazy, lot of it isn't it? is contributed to mould in houses and, and various other, you know, things in And so we were, we've been looking at it um, from that perspective. We've, we've run case, we've actually run a case study, which I'm still writing up, but, um, and, and actually put somebody who was having health issues with mould and, and put them into the house for a month and, and we're monitoring, you know, their house and and the indoor quality at our house and um, keeping track of all of that, which has anecdotally so far because I haven't got it all all um, mm. the stats together yet. But anecdotally, you know, she she didn't require medication for the whole time she was staying with us. Incredible. Um, she didn't wake up with headaches. The carbon dioxide levels in her apartment, which is the same age as our house, um, was were you know, up in like 2,000s and up to 4,000 parts per million when the normal is 400 to 800 parts per million. Mm. Um, so, you know, she was waking, she's waking up with headaches every day at her apartment. Um, she wasn't getting that in our house. In so a just, new apartment. In a new apartment. Same, same age, same age same, as our house. Almost Unbelievable. Built, built to current building standards. Yeah. 
If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, I don't know what does. Yeah, so, you know, so you just got to do the research, so, yeah, so, ask the questions. Yeah. It's not about the, you know, we, we believe it's it's not about the cheapest price. It's not the bottom line because you've got to look at the mm-hmm. overarching, the whole thing, what you're trying to actually achieve. You and know. value for money, like you keep going back to your total cost because, you know, health costs, if, you know, you're building your house you're getting you're getting what you've what you've paid for because we've got scientific evidence to show that mm. what we build is what you well and you don't for. want something that starts leaking and that you need to renovate three four five ten exactly. years down the track yeah. yeah and then you've you've got the flow on um you've got the the low cost to run it mm. um, I mean, well this, that's the other thing i mean you're saving thousands in energy every single year absolutely well this this costs this particular house Again, four bedrooms run at cost three dollars sixty a day to run without solar, um, but we have a solar solar system, just a small system with a battery backup, and they actually we actually are, are energy positive. So, yeah. Um, well, when those um, when we we're doing that that medical trial, it, that was midwinter as well. Um, they were in there for a month. We actually turned the battery off the solar system. Just so we, I just wanted to see how much energy the actual house used in midwinter. So uh, they were quite comfortable in that house. Um, it stayed around about the 19 to 20 degrees most of the time they were in there. Our energy bill for that month was a dollar seventy six. Oh my gosh! For the month. Mm. So it's just so so your energy use and and the comfort level is yeah. That's the thing. People, you can't put a dollar bigger on health. Well, you can if you're in hospital and that, but but just generally, you can't put a dollar figure on on your health and the comfort. People yeah. sit in houses with their air conditioner cranked on, still not comfortable, mm. and costing them a fortune to run. Mm. So the bottom line, and, and air conditioning is one of the biggest emitters um, out of all of the energy types. Yeah. So and with the way you know we're getting hotter and longer. Heat, heat waves. They're not. They're not efficient. We're, they're not doing a job. They're anyway. not doing the job. They're just running. Mm. And also, our energy demand can't keep up with it. Yeah, exactly. And again, it becomes an appliance that needs replacing every five years, uh, and all of the ramifications. So the ripple effects are huge. And I think it's really exciting that we now have more um, options that people like you guys. Uh, easier to find in all the major cities, at least around the world. That's it. There's, there are more people. It is, you know, there are more builders even in New South Wales. Victoria is really, you know, really good for it. But there are even more builders in New South Wales looking to build this way, which is which is awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So well, we keep talking about our um, our greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. We've got a, a colleague of ours associated in the Passive Houses Association, Daniel Cress. Mm. Um, he actually done some a, a quick calculation. He said that if we just turned all our um, residential housing new, build. new builds to passive house, mm. we would lower our greenhouse gas emissions by forty four percent. Incredible! Just by doing that, and that was a quick calculation. You know how you know it may not have been one hundred percent accurate, but but just a, a quick sort yeah, of an initial running of the numbers points to that direction without yeah. going into you know thousands of time, hours trying to calculate it all and that he, he reckons about 44 percent which would which would meet our target straight up mm. we would all be more healthier we would all be more comfortable and cost us less to run so it's, it's almost a no-brainer Oh, you don't need to convince me, guys. Uh, the the thing about working in this space and knowing these solutions are so painfully obvious and clear. Um, like imagine if passive house building got um, uh, government grants for first home buyers so that you could afford to build something there, that was... There are actually starting, there's, there's is it? Um, at least one bank that will actually give you a better interest rate if you're building a passive house. That's exciting. Yes. Here we go. So, yes. so it's, there's, there's little things starting to happen, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. uh, there's, there's a way to go yet. Yeah. <laughs> There's a way to go yet. And I, I feel the same about regenerative agriculture. Like yes. we should be giving grants to these farmers that are yeah. healing and nourishing landscapes. 
We yeah. should be giving grants to preventative health experts who are teaching people how to live better and healthier before they get sick. And, yes. Uh, yes. you know, we've just got to change stuff. This this model isn't working for anyone or the planet. Exactly. Well, exactly. it's not. And, and, and you know, the, it, it, but it's an overall, it's it's a huge thing. We're gonna, you know, we could talk about this all, all day. <laughs> I everything. know, I know. Once you get me started. But, but you know, we put all our... um all our housing and all, you know, the new airport and everything that's going in on our prime producing food yeah. base. Yeah. You know, and we, you know, now it's with horrific. COVID, it's been, uh, there's, there's not great deal of positivity, but everybody's learned that, they, yes, we can work from home. Mm. So maybe that's, a, a, you know, a great thought too, to move everybody out west, keep our food base and which I think we've missed the boat on that. But, yeah, we have. Um, but, you know, this, it's it's a whole global thing. It's, you know, but we can keep talking about thank Don't get me, don't get me yeah. well. But, it, I mean, it really just does come down to then all realising that our votes matter and that we have to start electing officials, writing to officials that yeah. care about the future, not just about the quick buck now. No, um, right. yeah. You know, because... That, that is what's going to create true longevity for uh, all species and the planet. So well, I started bringing out stats about, you know, if we don't do something about thing, how much jobs we're going to lose, mm. you know, it's just, it's, it's yeah, we've got to do something. And, you know, but we're, we're sort of pretty proud and happy with where we're at and what we're trying to do. Um, well, you guys are doing in. something. And I want to say thank you so much for joining me today because, I think people need to hear that these options are available. Everyone's got a cousin or a sister or a dad or maybe them that's considering building at some point in the near future. Uh, and to know that we can choose builders like you guys and so many others who are leading the way in designing and building for a better future for not just the planet, but the people's health and the people that live in the house is yeah. really, really exciting. So thank you both so much for joining me. No thank you very much, thank Alex. You. Thank you for having us. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at LotoxLife, or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at LotoxLife. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 Euro and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.